comes ahead on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and it's just me today. Logan is not no longer stateside. He's actually over in England currently right now, so I hope he's having a great time there. Uh, it's been a long time since I've been to England, about 12 years at this point, as scary as that is. Time's flying for me, but we're here, and we're going to be talking the international break. We had two USA friendlies that took place uh, over the course of the last week as we prepare for Friday's start to the U.S. next campaign of the Nations League in CONCACAF. They won the CONCACAF Nations League a year ago today from when I'm recording this. So just great memories of that game. I've been flooding the timeline, flooding my time hop you know, all that good stuff. So we are very excited to get back underway for the Nations League. I am, for one. I've been watching a bunch of the UEFA Nations League, and it's just been – it's so much more fun than just watching. Friendlies are a good test. We'll talk about the tests that the USA faced over the course of the last week, but it is just so much more fun to watch, like, meaningful games. Well, especially for UEFA, who like UEFA League A is just lots of great games. Uh, Croatia, France, rematch of the 2018 FIFA World Cup was today. Finished 1 1. Over the weekend, we had what Italy, Germany. That's another great matchup. It was uh, <laughs> the Nations League is a, uh, is a great concept. I do enjoy. Uh, both CONCACAF and UEFA's Nations League. So here's how the show is going to go today. It's probably going to be a little shorter. We don't have that many games to talk about. We have two USA friendlies. We have like one MLS game. And uh, then we'll probably just kind of preview the Nations League games coming up. Uh, but with how easy of a group the USA has, I'm not sure how much in depth I can go about the Nations League. I feel like we all kind of expect them to win against Granada. And I think we all kind of expect them to beat El Salvador. We'll see. They should. 
but uh, that's where we are. Group D. Also, what took place this weekend that affects the USA was on Sunday, we had the uh, World Cup qualifier playoff match in UEFA against Wales and Ukraine. A lot of people rooting for the Ukraine. We have, uh, you know, we're pro-Ukraine here. We've been you know, pro-Ukraine for um, their struggles with Russia and the Russia invasion in their country right now. And they were going up against Wales. Gareth Bale's Wales that has not qualified for a World Cup since 1958, I think it was, in the 50s. That's a long time ago. But part of me was a little selfishly hoping for Wales to win this game. And I say that because as much as I adore the Ukraine story, they have been in a World Cup more recently. Also, not sure I want to go up against Ukraine game one of a World Cup when the whole world, except for Russia, is backing the the Ukraine. And any sort of casual fan turning on the game against USA is going to be pulling for the Ukraine. And sometimes that pressure can kind of get to, get to you. Uh, hopefully it wouldn't affect the players, but it's what all the story would be about. Now it's just going to be USA versus Wales. And I think Wales is a beatable team. Um, definitely a beatable team. Uh, they didn't look great. Ball came off of a uh, Yermolenko own goal. That's how the goal came. Uh, it was a bail-free kick. Yermolenko headed in. And what we'll talk about here is uh, the Wales soccer team, football team, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, that they've been in the last few Euros, of course, 2016 and 2020. Yeah. So that's that's what we have going for us right now. Yeah, 58, 1958 is what I'm reading here. And then and that year they reached the quarterfinals as well. And it was their only World Cup they've made it to. So that's pretty interesting. If I have that right. Yeah. There you go. That's who our opponent is. That game is going to be on November 21st. 2 p.m. All the U.S. games are on 2 p.m. So we're going to get Wales and Gareth Bale. Out of the way first. Uh, then we'll face we'll face England, another UK country. We'll be facing them on the twenty fifth, Black Friday. 
and then we'll face Iran last. It's a it's a beatable group. It's something that we should be able to qualify from. The Morocco game actually kind of filled me with a little bit more confidence on that. You know, I, sometimes I feel like we play down to the opponent. You know, when people say, why, why do we struggle away from home? Or why are we struggling with some of these CONCACAF teams? Sometimes we just play down to the opponent. I think we just play at their level. So Morocco is uh, a team that had not lost in a while. I think they hadn't lost multi-goal game in a long time. And USA went out there and beat them 3 nothing. So we'll transition into talking about that game now. Brendan Aronson in the 26th minute. Timothy Weah in the 32nd minute. And then Haji Wright getting a penalty in the 64th. Is how that game uh, went for the USA. And uh, it was... I mean, the first half was better. The first half was great, I thought. And I just enjoyed watching that match specifically. Um, Yeah, I I think overall Morocco was a good test. That's what I'll say. I'll say overall Morocco is a good test. They're a team that I feel, you know, they've had World Cup experience. It's a team we don't play a lot. It's a team that, Well, again, and here's the thing, too. How much is it is that we're playing at home, right? Not leaving our comfort zone. That is a question that I wonder when we will kind of finally get a chance to see the pressure on this team a little bit more when it comes to playing some of these bigger games. We won't really probably get that until Qatar, because we mostly play games here in the U S for friendlies, right? Because those other federations want to come over here and make money off of the fans, the U S fans here or the fans from other countries that live here or other, you know, uh, that have heritage through those countries that have lived here. So that like Mexico, Mexico plays all their friendlies here in the USA because they have a lot of fans here and uh, they get probably a lot more money. So that that's something too. So that's why some of these countries want to come over here and play. So my point being, I would love to see this team do a little bit more. I think we have some European-based friendlies and we'll be playing Asian teams in September. thought that's what I read. We don't know who we'll be playing against yet. But if that's the case, that's great. Playing in another country, more like neutral, especially as we get closer to the World Cup, that would be a great test. This was a great test because I think Morocco's a good team. A lot of their starters were from a World Cup team. They have been really good. They hadn't lost, you know, like I said, multi-goal game by multi-goals in a while. And we we did all of that. 3 nothing. boom. Scali was kind of called for a, a pretty weak penalty that, hits the bar or the post. So kept a clean sheet, which is great. I thought Matt Turner was great. Possession stats, USA had 52 to 47 for Morocco with some decimals in there as well. Morocco had 22 shots. Didn't feel that way though. 
and the U.S. had 11. But shots on goal, 10 to 8 for the USA. So that's probably why it felt a little bit more controlling for us. USA had more passes, 479 to 421. We edged it out on passing accuracy. We had more corners. We had less crosses. Nobody had an offsides. And we had two yellow cards to their four. This was at TQL Stadium. Tenants of 24,000, but apparently not everybody showed up. Kristen Pulisic called out the fans on this. And I'm fine with that. I don't have a problem with that. I think, of course, the players want to play in front of fans. And they want to play in front of packed houses. It's not a it's not a unique thing to even just soccer or just the U.S. men's national team. It's, it's any sport. I also don't think he meant anything by it by saying Americans. Uh, he, he just meant American supporters. I think, I think that's about it. I don't think there's anything we have to really entertain with that. But my point is, I get where he's coming from. I get his frustration. I get why he would say that. And there was just wild takes on this from everyone, right? There's people that were at the game that were like, hey, I spent like all day making a TIFO. I wouldn't have done that if I didn't want to be here. But again, Pulisic thanked the fans that did show up, and he was really calling out the people that didn't. And I think that's fine. I think that's fair. Prices were high, of course. But it is, while it is just a friendly, there's not many of these games throughout the year. If a ticket's 50, 60 bucks, I think that's fine. I could pay that once a year, once every other year. Maybe. I haven't been to a U.S. game in a long time, and I'm really trying to hope they come back around. You know, they're always right now in Ohio. That's another thing people have brought up to why they didn't show up. Right? They just had uh, somebody asked a good question. I just got to see them play a meaningful Mexico game in World Cup qualifying. Why would I then just go to a random friendly on a weeknight? And that's a good question. I would go because it's fun. I want to see the U.S. team. I haven't seen this young U.S. team. I'm really trying to think of the last time I got a chance to see a U.S. team. It was probably 2014, 2015, somewhere around there. I know I went to like a 2012 friendly at FedEx against Brazil. I went to like the 2011 and 2013 Gold Cups. They had some games at Baltimore, I think. But I haven't really, you know, they haven't really played a lot of friendlies around us lately. I'm on the East Coast. I know there's a lot of people on the East Coast hoping they come back at some point, but I'm hoping. Even a Nations League game. I really want to go to like a Nations League game. Even if it's somebody against like like Granada or El Salvador. I actually did see what an El Salvador game. I think it, I don't think we played them though, but they were in the same stadium because that was back when the Gold Cup, if they still do this, I don't know. Gold Cup used to have, uh, well, when they played in Baltimore, they had two games back-to-back in the same stadium. And I believe it was El Salvador was the game after us. Because there's a lot of El Salvador fans there, man. 
a lot. That may have been that may have been when I went to Washington for it. So that may have been the 2013. 2011 was in Baltimore, I'm pretty sure. There's a lot of great games that I hope come back over here at some point. I am going to Baltimore to see it's not far from me. But I'm going to go see Arsenal Everton there to kind of hope that more teams and more games come back to Baltimore. Hoping that a World Cup game will come to Baltimore or Philly, somewhere close to me, so I can try to get World Cup tickets in 2026 would be nice. Apparently, instead of Brendan Aronson starting, it was going to be Mahalovich until he got injured. So it's kind of where we're at with that. Zimmerman started. Cameron Carter-Vickers came in at halftime. Scally came in at halftime for Robinson. And Haji Wright came in halftime for Fiera. Tillman came in for Pulisic in the 65th. Uh, Luca, Dor- uh, Luca Della Torre coming in in the 66 for Tyler Adams and Weston McKenney came in for Brendan Aronson in the 72nd minute so those are your players that played the game keeping on the US we had USA versus Uruguay yesterday wasn't a great game this one was in Sporting Kansas City Stadium. Um, USA actually edged possession, fifty-three to forty-six. Shots were close, twelve to nine. Uruguay. Shots on goal, four to three. Uruguay led that. Uh, total passes, USA edged that out, four fifty-five to three eighty-four. We had better passing accuracy. We had the same amount of corners with four. Uruguay had more crosses, 14 to nine. And they had one yellow card, and that came late. The first yellow card was... Doesn't even show it on here. Oh, 82nd minute. Yeah, so it came late. McKenney was starting. Paul Ariola came in in the 46th minute. Brendan Aronson came in in the 46th for Tim Weah. Eric Palmer Brown came in for Aaron Long in the 46th minute. Uh, Haji Wright came in for Jesus Ferreira in the 61st minute. He only got like five or six touches by the end of the game. And uh, Anthony Robinson came in for Yedlin. And De- Delatore came in for Musa. Uh, I don't know. I guess I can kind of give my thoughts on whose stock fell during this. Jesus Ferreira stock had to have fallen. He had some great chances, especially in the Uruguay game. He couldn't put away. Now, this wasn't Uruguay's A team, I would say, by any stretch. They did bring on some big guy, big guns like Edison Cavani. They bring him on in the 61st minute. Valverde came in the 61st minute. Diego Rossi came in the 67th minute. I mean, they had some firepower that came in off the bench. This is a team that just beat Mexico 3-0 in a friendly as well. 
So I'll take the imaginary point. I'll take the the draw. But there's a few times where it wasn't going to be a draw and Uruguay just kind of fluffed their chances. So I do think Ferreira's stock went down for not scoring. Um, Probably Eric Palmer-Browns probably went down a little bit. Scally, I think a lot of people have been kind of saying Scally's did. And I wouldn't say like his stock fell down or chances fell down. I think his chances for maybe the World Cup fell down, but I do think that he's going to be okay. He's going to be fine. He's young. We got another one of these in four years that'll be on home soil where he can be a real lock, maybe, on the team. We got a lot of options. The worst part is still not knowing who the number nine is, who's going to score goals for this team. That is the most frustrating part about watching this team. Uh, I would put Timothy Weah in the center. He He's talked about how he doesn't like that, but I do think we need somebody up there that can score goals. And if he scores goals, he's going to do that. He could float to the left, float to the right if he wants. But I, I think it wouldn't be like people might call it a false nine. It's not going to be as much as a false nine as if you put like Pulisic up front or Jesus Freire up front, I guess. Timothy Weah can put the ball in the back of the net. And he can do it at this level. I would probably put him the starting striker. I, if I'm Berhalter, I'd probably tell him, I know this is not what you want, but this is what we need right now. Because I don't think Fierre is going to be able to do it. Sergeant, I, who knows what that looks like, where he, you know, is he going to stay at Norwich? Is he going to get some championship minutes and be able to put some goals away? DK in the championship, is he going to be able to get a chance and put some goals away? Really, Stryker is going to come down to from July when the new season starts to November when the World Cup is uh, being drawn, uh, you know, starting and, and the squad is drawn because it could really just go to the hot hand. Somebody that's playing at a high level that is scoring goals. So, big question still, number nine. Pepe, Augsburg, right? So, it really is tough. I I don't really know what the answer is. I'm glad it's not my job to find the answer. I can talk about this stuff, right? We can all talk about it. We can post on Twitter. We can have our Twitter spaces and our podcasts and talk about this stuff. But at the end of the day, I am glad I'm not making any decisions in this because how many times on this show have we been like, Oh, looks like DK's in great form. He's going to go overseas and do good. He gets hurt. All right, we're how about Pepe? He's been on fire. He comes into the national team. He scores some goals. He goes over to Augsburg and can't do it, right? And, and I'm not saying he can't reach that level. What I'm saying is can't do it is can't put the ball in the back of the net. He's not getting a lot of chances. He's playing for a team that's not very good. 
not anything against Pepe or his level. Uh, I think he can get there. He's still super young, but now I'm like, right now I'm writing whatever striker we take in pencil. And I'm just waiting for one of them to leap up and say, I want this job. And I'm going to prove that by my gameplay. I don't think Brandon Vasquez is the answer. I, I, you know, I don't think any of the, what, what I would say, like player of the month is the answer. It's going to be somebody that's been associated with the team before. That's going to be able to come in and score goals. But none of our players are doing that right now. I'd go Wea. Some people have offered Gio Reyna at the nine. I don't want that. Unless if you can show me it. If you can show me it and I can get on board with it, fine. Yeah, cool. But right now I'm thinking I, I want his creativity more in the midfield than just trying to get balls in the back of the net. I think Wea can do that. We might even be a team that has no actual big number nine and we're just going to try to score from the from our wingers. But you need somebody up there that can just tap one in. And uh, not a lot of these players have shown that club level recently or have shown it on the national stage when called in. All right. Um, all right. Anything else about Uruguay? I'm just kind of sitting here looking at Uruguay. Uh, Paul Ariola is probably making the team. That'll upset some people. He didn't look great in this game, though. Uh, I don't think he'd see much time on the field in the World Cup anyway. I think he'll make it. If they do expand to 26 players, I, I think we have a good shot at at uh, even Conrad De La Fuente hasn't really done too much lately, right? Like Greg has a really tough job for these 26 spots here. If we get 26, if he's get 23, he's got an even tougher job. We still don't know who really the third backup goalkeeper is. Uh, people would say Horvath and he, you know, we're talking on the day that he helped win a nation's league and he played lights out coming in for Stefan's injury. But we got Stefan at city as a backup. We got Turner going to Arsenal as most likely a backup trying to win that spot. And we have Horvath who is probably going to have to leave new Nottingham, Nottingham forest. And the reason I say that is because the keeper they have did an outstanding job in the playoffs to get them promoted. So for me, I'm not so sure that that's something that is going to work. Um, I think you do need at least somebody on your team that's been playing goalkeeper consistency, consistently uh, starting. That's where maybe a Sean Johnson comes in. I saw some people saying he shouldn't ever be caught in after the Uruguay game. I, I thought he played fine. I thought he played okay. Didn't give up a goal. I didn't see anything really outstanding that, like, I'm calling for him to be the third goalkeeper, but I didn't see anything that I'm like, I would hate it. 
most of the time third goalkeepers are not playing in the World Cup anyway. Hmm. So those are two question marks, really. Right now, I'd say Matt Turner is the number one goalkeeper. Stefan's number two. And I would probably bring Horvath. I probably would bring Horvath. I like the kid. I liked what he did for the Nations League. But all three of these need to get starting minutes somewhere. So I'm hoping Matt Turner can win the job. I'm hoping Stefan goes on loan. And I'm hoping Horvath either goes on loan or makes a move somewhere else to start playing consistently. And then I'll feel really good about whoever's in the back of the uh, whoever's in front of the net. I'll feel really good about our chances. But if they're all riding the bench, I'm going to be a little weary of that going into the World Cup. All right, sticking with the U.S., we have the Nations League coming up. We are in Group D. El Salvador beat Granada 3-1 the other day to uh, take the first spot in the group right now. So El Salvador sits top of the group with three points. Granada sit bottom. USA sits in the middle without having played yet. So on June 10th, the USA will face Granada. This game's going to be on ESPN. Plus, I think. It is on... Oh, it doesn't say. I believe it's ESPN Plus. I know Paramount usually has these games, but I'm pretty sure... somehow falls into that it's since it's a home game that game is in austin i believe yeah q2 stadium so i'm excited for that game uh el salvador beat them three to one I think before they had said we might drop some of these players and bring in some different ones, and I think that'd be fine because I don't think we need all these A-squad players to to take on Granada. So I'd be fine with maybe rotating out some. I think we can win at home against Granada, uh, at, you know, with uh, Austin fans there. I think we'll be fine. And then, oh boy, when we play the next one, we play June 14th against uh, El Salvador. That's next Tuesday, so we'll kind of look ahead to that next week. That's why I'm saying this episode's mostly just me kind of rambling about my thoughts on the squad because there isn't much to talk about when we're talking about actual results right now. Two friendlies, looking ahead to Granada, and then moving on to... This Vancouver RSL game where Vancouver wins 2-1, to one, a last-minute penalty by Gold uh, to take the win for Vancouver. Salt Lake ends up with a loss. Vancouver has been doing a lot better now. They were near the bottom of the West. They now sit 10th with SKC 
now at the bottom of the West and second to last for Wooden Spoon. Chicago with thirteen point, uh, Chicago with eleven points, SKC with thirteen, and let's not forget SKC has played fifteen games. But Vancouver, after fourteen games, sit tenth with seventeen points. That's one point shy of a playoff spot, as it currently sits. They don't have any sort of game in hand, really. RSL has played fifteen uh, games. They have twenty five points. They sit third after that loss. Their goal difference differentials have negative one that is the only negative goal differential in the west in the top half of the table the next negative goal differential is ninth place colorado with a negative one goal differential and then the rest of the teams from ninth place down have negative goal differentials so pretty outstanding for rsl to be that high with a negative one goal differential. They've only scored 18. They've given up 19. They sit third. I'm going, I know I've talked about this a a lot, later this month, in about 20 days or so, the 25th, I'm going to be watching the RSL game against the crew in Rio Tinto. If you're going to the game or if you have any tips about what to do in Salt Lake or even what to do before a game there. I know somebody hit me up saying to tailgate on Twitter, but if you have any suggestions, reach out to us via email or Twitter, Facebook, whatever. And let me know if you're in the area and what you usually do at Rio Tinto uh, before a game. I probably want to get some sort of merchandise. Does the shop have anything with like the stadium name or the, you know, I, I want to get something while I'm there that shows that I went. I've been doing that with my baseball trips. I've been collecting magnets of the stadiums. So if they have anything like that, let me know. If they don't, I'll, I'll find something to get there. But Looking forward to that. Just bought my tickets. I'm going to be sitting like midfield. So I'm going to have really nice seats for that, which should be a good game, hopefully. But that's the only MLS game that's happened. So what do we have coming up? Let's go ahead and hit that that jingle. It's time for the Match of the Week preview. The Match of the Week preview is where we talk about a game that you should be watching as we preview all of the upcoming games for the week Friday, as we mentioned, USA Granada. Saturday, we have Charlotte versus New York and Nashville versus San Jose. Charlotte, New York is on ABC. Nashville, San Jose is on Unimas, TUDN, and Twitter. Charlotte versus New York is at 3 p.m. at Bank of America Stadium, while Nashville's at 8 o'clock hosting San Jose. Then on Sunday, we have SKC versus the New England Revs on ABC, and I'm sure when they booked this originally, they were like, what a matchup. But right now, with the Revs sitting 11th in the East and SKC sitting 14th in the West, uh, they're probably thinking, what, this matchup? Why did we choose this one? Um, <laughs> no shade intended there. I'm just saying, like TV rating-wise, they're probably kicking themselves now. 
Um, and this is what's weird too, is that we look at these like national games. We have three national games this week and they're the only three games. And sometimes we'll have like 20 games on a Saturday and only one of them will be nationally broadcast. It's just strange how this all works out. My game of the week is Charlotte versus New York because we didn't even get to this yet. But Charlotte move on from their manager. This happened, I think, the day after we had recorded the last episode. Um, yeah, we recorded on Monday during during the uh, holiday. I think this broke on Tuesday. But Miguel Angel Ramirez, the inspiration behind our merch line, we are fooked. When he said we are screwed in the name of Christian Fuchs. So we are fooked. He got real fooked. He got fired. Uh, it sounds like from our good friend, Chris Smith, who's been on the show a few times, reporting for 90 Men. Talked about uh, how this was kind of like a blind side for Miguel Angel Ramirez. It wasn't notified until right before the press release was sent out. Um, some of the – we really don't know what happened there. There was rumors of all kinds of things, but it sounds like he just didn't get along with the front office. They kind of took it to heart when he said, we are screwed. And uh, – who knows? Maybe they saw my merchandise. They're like, this is embarrassing. Just kidding. They didn't see that. Uh, but yeah. So if you still want that merchandise, hit it up. <laughs> but uh, here we go. Uh, they play the Red Bulls. So this is their first game with a new uh, interim manager. And uh, the Red Bulls, who have been very good this year. Fourth place, 23 points. And they've been very good away from home. When they're at home, they've had their one, two, and four. And away from home, they're five, one, and one. So this is an away game for New York. So I would probably go out of my way here to say that the Red Bulls are going to beat Charlotte at Bank of America Stadium. And the fans are going to be very depressed because why did we get rid of Miguel Angel Ramirez? There are players that probably join the team because they wanted to co play for that coach. You're only so far in the season, and guess what? They're eighth place. 16 points. If they win this game, they'll be in a playoff spot, and they would have just fired their manager. That's, that's mind-boggling. They haven't won an away game, but they have a five- Five game, five wins at home, two draws. Uh, no, two losses at home, five wins, two losses. Then they have six losses on the road and one draw on the road. So, unfortunately for Charlotte fans, I, I feel for you. I put out a tweet. Replied, I think, to Charlotte's tweet on our profile. Because 
It's a little disingenuous. They had uh they had uh you know set out this press release or they did a press conference and it was awful. So let me take a look and see if I can locate All right, Charlotte FC says, uh, Sporting Director Zornan Cornetta speaks of media after coaching change. And they use that loosely when they said spoke to the media. Because he mostly just said he doesn't want to speculate on anything, which he wouldn't be. He knows the truth. And it's just going to lead to fans speculating. So I I don't really understand what he was going for there. But... I tweeted out here. I got 35 likes on it, by the way, too. So that's nice. But uh, I said, how about providing your fans with the reason for the firing? All he said was that it had something to do, that that it was something they had to do when results say differently. So maybe something behind the scenes. But wait, he doesn't want us to speculate. So maybe just being transparent might work. That is the whole thing for me. Uh, it's no secret this league is not very transparent. We've covered it. We understand that. But when you're talking about a coach firing and you're using words like we had to do it, uh, what else did they say here? We have no choice to do it. While the results show otherwise, it's going to lead to even more speculation about him being a jerk to people, about him doing stuff like Gabriel Heinze, you know, no water, stuff like that. It's going to lead to thoughts like that, but that may not be the case. So then now everybody has this perception about MAR when when the truth could have been less worse. But now we're speculating because you haven't given us any information on it. And that's where it really hurts for everyone involved. And now for the people that were on his side they're probably going to say that this was unfair to the sporting director, right? Like you should not have done this. That was unfair to Miguel and Hal Ramirez. Why are you doing this? We don't like you. The pressure's on you now. And when you say stuff like we had to do it and you don't actually talk about why you had to do it, people just see through that for the BS it is. Tell the truth. Don't tell the truth, whatever. You got to give a reason. When you're sitting eighth place, I think you don't have to give a reason if they're bottom of the table, like I expected them to be. If they're sitting 14th, like in Logan and I's projections, there's no reason for they would even have to come out and say, we had to do it because of this. We would just know they had to do it because they're bottom. They're sitting eighth place, two points of a playoff spot. There's no reason to do that. Unless if there were something worse, right? But then they don't want us to talk about it. They don't want to talk about it. So they're going to be in this uphill battle right now of how they want to handle this. And what I mean by that is if they go out and lose to the Red Bulls, 
you're probably gonna have some fans unhappy. They're, let's not forget they're paying like the highest ticket prices in the league, Charlotte, season ticket wise. So there's just questions. There's there's tons of questions on how this is gonna work out for Charlotte. Who are they gonna find to replace them? Because I, I, if I'm another coach, and I see how fast he got pulled after 14 games, I don't know if I'm going to Charlotte to coach. Why would I go there? I feel like I wouldn't even have any time to put anything together. But maybe if they knew the full story, you could approach them. But again, they didn't even go over that. So that's where it's really difficult for seeing a way that this is going to work out well for Charlotte. Which sucks because they've been a, a blast to kind of see how they're how they're doing. Start off the season. First season. Sitting eighth. Just they're above Columbus. They're above Atlanta. They're above the Revs. They're above Toronto. And they're above DC and Chicago. All very established clubs. And a win leapfrogs them over Miami. So there's no reason to not just tell us why you had to do it. Because the fans are looking at this saying, doesn't look like you'd had to do it. We're doing well. So that's my that's my piece for that, I guess. But that's the game to watch. Red Bulls have been good. Charlotte under interim management. Let's see fans do anything special for that game protests or anything like that who knows but it's uh national spotlight of that again on abc and espn deportes saturday june 11th at 3 p.m all right i don't think we have much more else to cover So as much as I said this is going to be short, I actually kind of rambled on long enough for it to be kind of like a normal length. I hope everyone is enjoying the season of MLS that we're currently covering. It's our second full season covering it here on the show. I hope everyone's enjoying the U.S. Men's National Team coverage. Uh, our plans for that is going to continue to grow as we get closer to the World Cup as we're going to be doing group previews for the World Cup as we get closer to it. We'll probably do a World Cup bracket, which will be a lot of fun, so you're going to want to stick around for that. And we are uh, going to probably be doing recaps after every U.S. game. Probably not live. I can't take off work. It's the busy season for my work, so I'll probably be recording stuff later that night or whatever. But we're going to talk World Cup for sure uh, when we get to it. So uh, we're looking forward to covering more international stuff. International soccer is much more exciting for me than than, uh, club soccer. Right? You can't build a team can't go out buy pieces you have to work with what your country gives you so i think that's very uh interesting way and this u.s team is so much fun right now so really looking forward to covering more of that 
as we go. If you want to give us any uh, thoughts on the U.S. men's national team uh, or what I should do in Rio Tinto, you can follow us on Twitter and reach out to us at Stateside Show, Instagram at Stateside Show, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Stateside Show, or email us Stateside Show at gmail.com. And that's it. Have a great rest of your week. We'll start next week talking about these Nation League, well, one Nation League game. We'll talk about the three MLS games, and we'll look ahead to the next Nations League game and start looking forward to some more MLS action for Saturday, June 18th. So, got a lot coming up here. Hope everyone enjoys it. We'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. Men's National Team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.